should adults read fantasy? Or is there something bad about potential childish escapism? We discuss this and more with returning guest, Louis Giovino, on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for people who love to have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, magical realist. And with me as always is my frustratingly fantastical co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and um, <laughs> uh, someone who fancied himself Aragorn as a child. Oh, interesting. That's what, what, where, when did, what prompted that? It prompted me watching Lord of the Rings when I was 13 years old and deciding that the man I wanted to be was Aragorn. So I would just okay. eat Aragorn. I mean, you could do a lot worse. It's going, it's going pretty well. You know, minus the sword <laughs> everywhere is going pretty well. Is it? Yeah. It's, it's, the facial hair is, is working that direction. Exactly. And with us today is a very special returning guest. He is a film producer and talent manager here in New York City. He is the managing director at Carmel Communications, a full-service Catholic communications company. He holds an MA from Franciscan University, a Master's of Divinity from St. Joseph's Seminary, and a Bachelor's of Sacred Theology from Angelicum. He is the learned, the laudable, the legendary, Louis Giovino. Lou, welcome back to the show. <laughs> well, we almost got off to a good start. Uh, look, I could have said the Pontifical Count uh, College of St. Thomas Aquinas, but we'll call it the Angelic. Okay. Okay. Here I am over here. I did not Reverend want to be Nathan Clarkson's Aragon. Yeah, I know that. I, I didn't want to. Viggo Mortensen's don't want to want you up, but mine is cooler. I wanted to be Sam. Oh, he's a Sam, which is perfect transition. Oh, wow. You're getting really good at these segues, Nathan. Yeah, so we're going to be discussing whether or not adults should read and engage in fantasy. Specifically the fantasy genre. Um, but before we get on to that, Nathan, if people... Uh, enjoy our discussion and want to engage more with such discussions and connect with fellow overthinkers, where can they go? They can go to the overthinkersjournal.com where they can find out more about their hosts and any live events we have coming up. The next one is going to be an Oscar party right here. I can't remember which date, whichever the night the Oscars. Whatever night the Oscars is, yes. yes exactly. You can look that up. And we're going to be having it right here at the Hepzibah House where we have awesome events right here in New York City. We're going to be watching the Oscars together. So we want you to be there. So make sure to check out the website. And you can also go to the Overthinkers private Facebook group. We have almost 14,000 members now posting memes, getting into discussions and having fun. Ooh. Uh, thinking deeply. So if you want to meet more people like yourself who enjoy these questions and discussions, we'd love to have you there. And if you do enjoy the show, please consider leaving us a review. It really does help us so much and share with a friend. Awesome. Everybody ready to get started? This year. Yeah, that'll be the... (laughs) (laughs) We'll We'll see it together. Like we did last year. Yeah. All right. Uh, Everybody ready to get started? Let's do it. Cool. All right. So Fantasy is a genre of literature that features magical and supernatural elements that do not and likely cannot exist in the real world, such as dragons, wizards, and magical objects such as rings. According to Masterclass Online, although literature has always included fantastical elements, as seen in epics like the Odyssey or Thousand One Arabian Nights, for most of the time it didn't exist as a separate genre because these supernatural elements were considered to plausibly exist in many cases in the real world. George MacDonald is widely considered the first mo- a writer of the first modern fantasy novel, reintroducing the fantastical into literature post-Enlightenment. With J.R.R. Tolkien, you might have heard of him. He wrote a little book called Lord of the Rings, uh, considered the father of modern fantasy genre in general. Since then, the fantasy genre has exploded and been adapted multiple times into me- various mediums, like, you know, with movies like Harry Potter, TV like Game of Thrones, tabletop role-playing games like Dungeons & Dragons, and video games like Skyrim and Dark Souls. Despite Despite the mainstream success, many people maintain that fantasy genre is strictly for children and even harmful for adults. Tolkien was put down by critics at the time for writing what was childish children's tales as if they were supposed to be consumed by adults. C.S. Lewis often had to defend the fantasy genre against the charge that it drew people away from reality and toward, literally, fantasy. 
The harms of indulging in fantasy in our normal lives are well understood by psychologists, as written in pieces like Psychology Today's Fantasy, Its Effects on Your Reality, and the New York Times' is The Good and Bad of Indulging in Fantasy and Daydreaming. So this latter fear is not unfounded. Okay, I'm going to do something a little bit different this time. Usually we ask the guest the, the question first, but Nathan, you were the person who actually prompted this discussion when we had this discussion a while back earlier, where you were actually making a, a, a case that there was some harm for adults engaging in fantasy. So I'd like you to kind of like make that case and prompt that for us now. What, what, what beyond what I've sort of described is potential harm of fantasy? Well, it's interesting. I don't want to, <laughs> here I'm going, all I do is quote Tolkien, Lewis, and Chesterton, and here I'm <laughs> not doing read fantasy. But my initial thought was, I had noticed a, a kind of a, um, a consistent theme among a lot of people. I'd seen them online and Reddit threads where they were people who had disengaged from the real world to a degree. Mm. Um, they disengaged with uh, reality and I saw it negatively affecting their lives. And one of the common threads I saw in many of these people's lives is that they only engaged in fantasical genres and, or maybe I'd say overly engaged in fantasical mm -hmm genres uh, in games, movies, and books. So, it, you know, you talk to them and say, well, all I ever read is fantasy. I, I won't read anything else. And all I ever play is fantasy games. Or all I ever watch is, you know, some iteration of fantasy, e even if you want to call it like Marvel fantasy or comic sure. fantasy. It was uh, kind of an obsession with things that weren't quite so tethered to reality. And I, and I sometimes thought, and it would occur to me that maybe there was a a bit of a harm. I know there's an escapist element there that it's nice to escape into another world, but sometimes I think escapism, it's, it's, it's benefit is you escape there to learn something to come back and to actually be in the real world. But what I saw happening is very often they escaped from the fantasy world uh, through these pieces of art and stayed there. And they were always trying to kind of get back to that place, read these books so they could stay in this world that felt a bit safer for them or understandable or more magical or whatever it is. But all that led them to have a disassociation with the reality they were given. And so that kind of sparked this thought in me as like, well, I love fantasy, right? I, I, I've commonly talked on the podcast about how much Lord of the Rings inspired me to want to tell good stories and, and how formative that was in my younger years, how I grew up on Narnia. And all of a sudden I realized that my touch point with fantasy was when I was formative, when I'm in my yeah. teens and as a child, those were important stories for me to connect with. But then I saw, I noticed as I got older, I started connecting with fantasy less. I would read real books about either history or novels about characters that existed in this world and I and and all of a sudden I realized I was better than everyone else. <laughs> I, but what I mean by I'm joking, but I also did find that in reading books that took place in the real world, it was um, that it actually helped me engage with the real world better, helped me understand people better in the real world because there were books about the things we face, the things we feel. Uh, you know, th there's a reason Dickens at the time was such so uh, amazing because he was he was describing the real world that existed. Of course, it was hyper reality in some ways, but he was still it was about real people in the real society he lived in. And I think that gave people insight uh, into the world they lived rather than escapism outside of the world they lived. So those are just things that kind of occurred to me. And I wanted to talk about them. Um, and I, I'm interested to hear Lou, who is the most learned of us all here is a large fantasy lover. So Lou, I'd love to hear your thoughts kind of on what if, is there and what are the benefits of reading fantasy as an adult? Uh, one of Dickens' Dickens' most famous books is a fantasy. That is true. Ooh. It takes place, I will say. It takes in place in the real world. I, I saw the, I saw it on Broadway yesterday, night. So it was all oh, fan, cool. uh, fantastic. So, okay. Uh, but it has, it, it similar in a way to Tolkien, it has a, I mean, I don't want to say a moral, but it's wisdom literature, mm. as Andrew Clavin, it conveys this message. So uh, just to, I've been thinking about this because you guys have me on. I didn't read fantasy till I was an adult. Mm. So, but you, but your guys are saying you should keep it in childhood is what you're saying, Nick. Well, that that's just the thought I had and I want to discuss it because I, I do love fantasy. But you're but... saying adults reading it again or, and again. Or maybe only reading it. Yeah, all right. So... I just, I was thinking about my own experience. I read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. That was it. Uh, and I didn't know Jesus was the lion and everything. I found that out in college. Uh, 
But then just as you were talking, I was thinking I had Star Wars. So I was mm. seven years old when Star Wars came out. That was my entire uh. fantasy vision. So everything else kind of paled and I lived and breathed it, obviously. I remember seeing the Hobbit cartoon and the Lord of the Rings cartoons and I, ugh, I didn't like it. <laughs> I, Gollum was always interesting. And so I knew about it, but my brothers read those books. My brother Paul read them. I remember picking up Lord of the Rings. Ooh, and I just, I did not have the really? head for it. Oh, this is boring. I did not have the head for it. I started in, when I was 30, when the movie was coming out. And I thought, uh, it's kind of a downtime. And I said, oh, I'm going to read Lord of the Rings. Now, was I like crazed? Kind of. It was good. It was good. It was tough, actually. It hit you differently than it did when you were a kid. I didn't read it when I was a kid. So All it... I knew were the Rankin-Bass cartoons. That mm. was it. So I knew the, the basic plot because I had seen yeah. it. And, and it was still kind of cool. But if you look back, they were very 70s. I, I didn't like it. And then when the movies came out, it was like my brain is on the screen. It was everything. Mm. It made, we forget this, Jackson made it cool. Okay, they were cool. They didn't sing the songs. Mainstream. I and then uh, and then when I was older, I used to. I remember seeing people commute with Harry Potter, and I would go, and I would, I would be disdainful. You're an adult, for God's mm. sakes. Another dark, dark time in my life. Two thousand nine. I read them all, mm. and I loved them. I read them twice. I read. Wow. I read all of the Narnia twice. I read uh, Lord of the Rings twice. Uh, here I am as an adult. Why? Now, these are specific fantasies. I did branch out uh, Game of Thrones, uh, you know, Song of Ice and Fire, The Witcher. Why do I read it? And, I, and why did I kind of only read it for a bit? Just another world, let's say, mm -hmm. uh, world building. Uh, I think you're right. I, I agree with you, actually. Everything you're saying. And you've actually turned me on as a friend to modern books. You know, I have had other friends. You're an adult, Lou. I, you know, <laughs> but I remember, yeah, I mean, yes. I, I, but also, I don't know if you have a follow-up. Fantasy is different now than when I was a kid. It, it, it Definitely, Tolkien was very obscure. It was there, but kind of obscure. It's not like it is now. It's a huge business. Wait, I want to dive into that. But Joseph, I'm curious to hear your reactions on, on Lou's and Mai's. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. I, I think it's fascinating how, you know, both you talk, you talk about how you were really into fantasy as a kid, Nathan, and Lou, you were not, you know, and then you came to it as an adult. It was Nathan is like, you're kind of like started to grow beyond it. For me, it's interesting. Fantasy has always existed as something I liked but was sort of secondary. Like my first genre was always the superhero genre. That was what I- I would, I would include, because those include fantasy and I mean, look at Thor, right? Sure, yes, of course, it's like mythology. Yes, no, so it, it, it's interesting. I was sort of associated fantasy with things that either existed in another time or another place, but you're right. It's the fantasy kind of exists there. No, so yeah. like, you know, I, you know, as a kid, loved superheroes. My kid, my my family kept telling stories about how they would introduce me to a whole bunch of different things. You know, as a as a kid, and say, "Well, will you like this? Will you like this?" And I was kind of like, "Eh," with a lot of it. And then they introduced me to superheroes. And I was like, "This is my thing that I that I love." And again, it's it gave a sense of you know glorified personhood of like, "Oh, this is something the biggest expression of what a hero can look like." And so I love that. I love that from um, an early age. And I think that. I think that that's interesting. Um, and I think that, you know, I haven't, that hasn't stopped as I've, as I've gotten older. I, I still love it just as much as I always did. But of course it is true. I do like engaging with other material, you know, particularly with, with movies. Like, you know, I started when I got into college, I started watching like all the movies that were coming out and not just the ones that particularly interested me and ones that had. So I think that you make it very interesting. The case that you make is very interesting, Nathan, regarding the, you know, the, the trend you see with um, people engaging kind of in fantasy and you talk about Lou, it's like, oh, Lou, talk, you talk about how you were a very dark time in your life. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to go somewhere else to escape it. And you see this, there is, uh, you shared with me an article that was um, recently that was talking about, it was like, it was an article that's like, understanding our obsession with childish things, actually our queer obsession with childish things. What they were talking about is that there's this trend of like TV shows, not just fantasy, but like TV shows like Steven Universe. They're specifically targeting mm. um, how okay. to talk about adult subject matters from the perspective of a child and these fantasy elements. And so there does seem to be this idea and that that 
you use fantasy to escape the real world. And Tolkien dealt with that criticism as well. And what's interesting is that his um, response was that, well, it's good to escape someplace when you're in prison somewhere. So he was like, but that to me always struck me as wrong because like, well, no, I don't think the real world is something that we should escape from. I don't think it's a prison to escape from. The best answer that I've come up with towards the value of fantasy is that a lot of it does exactly what you're talking about, Nathan, which is that it is a way of talking about issues abstracted from context. What it means is that you can tell a story that's about good versus evil, but you're not using things in the real world that can have complicating context. So we actually had a right loaded context. So for example, we have one of our um, members of the overthinkers Facebook group who Evan Hernandez, I'm going to shout him out. Hi, Evan. Where he said that, you know, it's interesting that you only have fantasy as a genre occur after globalization has happened. So there's no places in the world where, um, where you can abstract things. You can't have something set in China and have it be just a battle of good versus evil. It becomes a political thing if it's set in China. It's like, yeah, if you have a story that's about good versus evil and you have police versus versus criminals, that becomes political instantly because yeah. it's about how we feel about those institutions. And I think that for a lot of people, you're actually able to, I think for me, I guess to say this for me, is one of the things I like about it is that you're able to have a story about good versus evil, about these ideas, about chivalry, about what are these things. And it doesn't have to be instantly, um, you know, for lack of a better word, Owned. political. Yeah. Well, and well, real quick, I'm, and I'm going to throw it to Lure after this, but what I noticed, because I want to bring up my sister here real quick, because she, hmm. Sarah, my oldest sister, she is a fantasy fiend and she's an everything fiend she reads everything under the sun i've never seen a more voracious reader go listen to the episode with her about books and reading the importance of um but she is a huge fantasy defender and, yep. and and why it works and why we need it and not just for children but as adults and she wrote a book called this beautiful truth and she talks about her, the dark times in her life and she um the very difficult times with mental illness and depression and she talks about why lord of the rings is so instrumental in bringing her through that time and i think it was interesting in, in lou your response you were talking about how and one of the things that actually captured you uh with lord of the rings the first time is it was a difficult time in your life and you said uh, similarly the same thing happened with harry potter and so it, what's interesting to me is i do see that reading fantasy and by the way, this is not neither necessarily a good or bad thing. Reading fantasy or, you know, we're using this term loosely, but reading things that take place outside of our world, our reality, um, oftentimes is a place people go who are in a dark place yeah. just to survive the place they're currently at. So that's a really, I don't know what I think about that. And I'm going to have to formulate some thoughts around that. But that is an interesting, consistent thread that Lou, you said, my sister Sarah talks about in her book. Yeah. But she also talks about it in a way that says this was beneficial to right. me. I have to wrestle with that because maybe it's not like that for everyone. But I also, I'll admit it, I engage, maybe it's not exactly fantasy, but I engage with escapist material when life gets difficult. It might be a video game. It might be a cartoon. Um, and sometimes it is fantasy. Sometimes I'll go back and want to feel that childish wonder and read Narnia, something like that. But there is, I could see a benefit being there, even in the escapism, sometimes... Um, there is a need to, even like you said, explore the real issues of good and evil outside of a world that's loaded with context, be it political, emotional, relational. Um, so that, that's the interesting thing I have to think about. Fantasy often draws people in their dark times. I, I, I only realize the dark times when I'm talking to you guys right hmm. now. Hmm. Uh, Lord of the Rings, was, it was a dark, I, I only just realized it now, that was a dark time. I wanted to get ready for the movie. Yeah. So, oh, the movies, it was a big deal, you know, and, and my, my, we knew Lord of the Rings, my brothers knew it, my brother Paul had known it, so we were all interested, it's coming, but, and then I didn't read comic books or superheroes zero until I got into the MCU, COVID, I was unemployed. During COVID, yes. Dark time, but I'm saying that because I think in a way I'm apologizing for it, I'm justifying it. Because hmm. I think of what you're saying, I'm an adult. I shouldn't be reading these things. Uh, I'm kind of. No, what have I done? But also, <laughs> also, I was beaten down at that point. I mocked all of these. I mocked Harry hmm. Potter. I mocked 
the MCU. I mocked all of its superheroes. I still do, but oh, and your <laughs> and your brain is smaller because you follow that stuff. So interesting. I was beaten to the point of eh, give it a shot. But then I I read other things, uh, Game of Thrones and all that. I mean, Song of Ice and Fire. I wasn't depressed. It was just I got used to reading it. Sure. But old books are escapism. I mean, you read words on a page. That's interesting. And you hallucinate. I mean, the best book I ever read was Bleak House, was Dickens. And like, uh, that stayed with me for like months, you know, and you got to read another yeah. Dickens right after that. I mean, he creates, a, I mean, it's it's real life, but he creates this world. So I, I, I think it's a part of it is the dark time. It's just how it happened. But my defenses were down. So mm-hmm. I gave it a shot. But I continued reading it. I haven't finished everything uh, that I start. But also, I have not done the fantasy that came after Tolkien. All of that stuff. Like 80s, 90s, like the modern Science stuff. fiction and all that. Oh, Dune, too. I did do Dune. I yeah, got, yeah, I got four Dune. books into Dune. Okay. <laughs> Which, far more than I got into Dune. And, and that wasn't a dark time. That pushes you into a dark time. That pushes <laughs> you into a dark time. <laughs> but so what would you, I mean, do you, do you feel like, that it is a problem to be reading a lot of fantasy? Do you think that's a problem with our society? Do you think it's a problem with individuals if they're reading a lot of fantasy? Do you think it's something you need to apologize for? Or do you think that it is something good that actually benefits us in some way? Um, I remember a priest wrote a book, uh, Benedictine Monk, about Harry Potter. And the first line was, I, I read this book and I was immediately put into a world that I didn't want to leave. And, mm. and you're thinking, all right, well, maybe this guy's an idiot, you know, but... But he's speaking as a religious, as a, as a Catholic priest, which is interesting. But mm. that, I mean, it is fascinating to me how you could just write words on a page and you make you make oh, this world. world. Yeah, I I do in a sense. I think the way what I said before, it's not like it was. It was childish in the past. And 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 it, look, you mentioned the criticism Tolkien got. It took W. H. Auden, a, a respected poet, to say this is great this is fantastic it's but it's about still Tolkien's work. about Tolkien but it still doesn't get the it's still frowned on yeah to say definitely but also for me at least Tolkien I read it okay fine but then when I understood his theory behind it mm. that it actually changed my life. So he would never he would never call what he did fantasy. So wait, I'm curious. I just want to touch on that real quick about yeah. Joseph. You said you brushed over too quick. It changed Tolkien changed your life. Yes, because his understanding of story, and he called it fairy, fairy story. Fairy stories, yes. Was not fantasy, as you know. He did didn't he did not like al, al, uh, an um allegory and fantasy. That's so right. this is not the bomb, the ring is not the bomb. Okay, you know. So, so it will explain what allegory is and what he saw fantasy is. Well, allegory he... is, you know, the ring would be the bomb. Okay, you know, something like everything that. Means everything something. means something else. So, yeah. uh, you know, uh, the even line in the way Jesus. that the Lembus is, yeah, I mean, the line is Jesus. We could... well, but that's a supposal, not a, a Okay, he had a problem with, he <laughs> didn't like Narnia because of that. It actually almost ended their he friendship. He also thought, Tolkien, uh, Lewis stole from him, which he did. But, um, <laughs> oh, so many truth bombs being dropped here. But, but, but no one has come close to Tolkien. Wait, wait, I'm but sorry. keep on talking about how he changed your life. Okay, so his, when I read on fairy stories and I realized his idea that this is myth, he wanted to write a myth mm. for England, but the myth itself saves you. So when he ties it, everyone read it, by the way, when he ties it to the true myth, which is Christ. So, uh, and, you know, even his stuff about Eucatastrophe where the disaster brings the the the, the salvation, sp- explicitly Christian, but his, uh, but the message itself, the, the, the message itself conveys the story, not the moral. It's not a, it's a, a Lord of the Rings is not good versus evil. It shows you the world. I mean, that it shows you the way the world is, the cosmology of the world. So this is interesting. You're basically saying that even in a fantasical world, dragons and rings and hobbits and elves, that there's still a truth to be found here and a truth to be garnered that you can actually take into your life. Absolutely. In, in the way that Homer, that Homer is as well. And that, like you mentioned about Homer. <laughs> You know, so definitely. Uh, well, Sarah talks about, not to keep on borrowing from my sister, but she talks about how one of the reasons that Lord of the Rings meant so much to her and her journey through mental illness was 
it gave her a a personification of um I, I hate the just good and evil everyone says that but the I'm dark, not ashamed of it of good and evil <laughs> that's right but she's she's was facing her own darkness right and by the way this is all in her book I'm not sharing secrets um she's facing her Darn own it. darkness and so to read a story where characters rise up over the darkness gave her hope that she could face the darkness in her life and so I guess that's what I come back to I'll throw it to you Joseph in a second but I just want to I guess what I come back to is I think there is benefit in story. I mean, obviously I'm a storyteller. Right. I want stories. And and the thing that I go to is, let's say scripture, right? All right, I'm a, I'm a Jesus freak. So I go to scripture and I see Paul say something like, um, you know, when I was a child, I thought like a child and then I grew up or I, you know, those kind of things. So right. you, you mushy food when you're a kid and you eat solid food when you're an adult. But right. then you have Jesus coming and saying, unless you become like a child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. So there's some things to parse out here. And I think that there's something that happens when people engage with fantasy. And I'm using that term very loosely. But it it does get you into a, quote, childlike understanding of the world. And you can start seeing things in a more clear way. But yeah, yeah, jump in. So, so this is this is actually really good. This is this is sort of the case that Peter Kraft will often make about fantasy because he's another big, you know, at, he loves Tolkien and G.K. Chesterton and Lewis and all the stuff, you know, so he's a big oh, advocate for fantasy. And one of the things he he make, he talks about is it restores a sort of an enchanted view of the universe, first of all, which is the fact that the universe can become so ordinary seeming to us because we're used to it that we're not used to seeing it as 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 wondrous as it actually is mm. and so then and c.s lewis actually makes a similar case in a weight of glory um but we're you know we're not used to looking at the world around us and being filled with awe about it you know we see oh we see grass we see meadows and yes we feel some awe but like oh but there's dragons there there's something else you know i don't see very many people look at i mean you know people look at our watch lord of the rings and they're looking at you know, all, all the the places they're walking in, they're looking at New Zealand. They're not looking at Middle Earth, <laughs> but yeah. they're there and they say, oh, this is a place, an environment that fills me with awe. And I think there is a certain degree in which fantasy re-enchants the universe to say that it's not boring and ordinary. It's actually glorious and beautiful and exciting. Um, and that's something that, but then also there, it does abstract these things. So it's again, it's like, okay, I can understand the darkness that's in me in this in a similar way that, you know, is Sauron or or the one ring or something like that. These are things that are not like me, but I can find the parallels. And therefore, because I'm able to find the parallels, I'm actually able to understand what's I'm doing better, what's going on with me better. That kind of and, and it. And that's actually the, the case C.S. Lewis made about the difference between the fantasy genre, you know, where what he and Tolkien would call fairy stories. And we call this fantasies, which is interesting that he said that typically you find more fantasy in stories that are in set in the real world than you do in fairy stories. Because in, you know, he's a, like, just to kind of plagiarize, not um, to sort of... Um, uh, steal. Take steal from him. Yes, exactly. A little bit, but also <laughs> use slightly different example. In a romance novel, you know, it tells uh -huh. more lies about the world than a fairy story does. Because even though no, it's it, real characters in a real geographical location on the earth, exactly. Like, it doesn't have dragons, but it does have people falling in love in a way that is not actually true to real life. Whereas G.K. Chesterton would say, when a person fights a dragon and finds that by um, overcoming his flaws, he can slay a dragon. He's saying something more true about the universe than a romance novel would. Wow. I mean, you, one thing you left out was it's beautiful. Okay. Mm. I mean, then you have to talk about Lord of the Rings separate from everything else. I, I, but <laughs> Narnia is, is, is beautiful yeah. too, in a way, but not like Lord of the Rings. So there's good books and there's bad books. We've been flooded with fantasy, nothing but. But also, you guys are younger. It became a big business with Lord of the Rings. It had never been up to that point. We had hmm. Legend, Willow, okay? Yeah. Willow, bringing Willow back. Yes. <laughs> so it was not Star Wars. That's it. Talk it, more of the beauty aspect because that, that's an interesting Well, I think I Sarah would agree with me too, but you left out the beautiful part. So, I mean, 
you know, the Harry Potter is in a, is beautiful in a way, but something like Tolkien in the way that it's written. But so not just we could all think of a quote and get goosebumps, sure. right? Hmm. I, I, you know, look, Mr. Frodo, there's some beauty when he sees the Sam sees the star that even the shadow can't. Obscure. Oh, yeah. I got goosebumps. Just thinking of that. All right. Mm. I, if I can't carry it, I'll carry you. OK, so all of this on one end, but the story itself, the missing scene, it's hard to for me to As say a piece it, of art throbs with beauty. Why does everybody mm -hmm. sob in Return of the King? Why did that movie pack such a wallop for so many people? Because because of the, not just it's grand, it's all that. It's what's underneath the story. It's what the story is conveying. So I mean, when you when I saw Re Fellowship and they did the the scene in with the with the wraiths uh, in the forest, yeah. I said, this is good. It's close. Not like the book. Okay, the book was terrifying. All right, I had when we saw Return of the King, I had a friend who said the way they did um, Shelob was great, really well, and she said immediately the book was terrifying though. So. But, so that I, so his world building and his I now now for Tolkien let's say his for me and I think for other people is his depiction of evil and that is the lesson so his depiction of evil is probably the greatest ever and so like Joseph was saying even though it's a depiction of evil inside of a world with dragons it's actually more true than many of the popular books that take place in New York or San Francisco or Hong Kong because it actually is more true to quote reality than what it evil is. actually is like yeah well, i mean it shows you the world shining shimmering splendid i mean i mean within but it's within this little container that is his fairy story so uh, and and here's my test always for a fantasy do you want to be the villain interesting I, Wait, what do you mean by that? Who, who doesn't want to be Darth Vader? He's cool. I want to be the no Emperor. One, no, okay? everyone wants to be Luke. No <laughs> one wants. But the but the the villains are badass and they're and they're cool. You know, they are avatars on Disney Plus. There's no avatar of Sauron. Okay, like, no, no one wants to be Sauron. And when you read that book, you want to be Aragorn. Do not like want to be Sauron. It's it, the, the the evil is palpable because Tolkien talks about something that in every world exists. The, the route to evil is power. Okay, so I want to jump yeah. off quick okay. on something, and then I'll throw it to you. And yeah, something, yeah. I, I'll wrap up my thoughts here, but there's a, there's a few things that have occurred to me in this conversation. One, you said about the artistry of it. So I, I guess I hadn't even considered that, that even just as an object itself of the, the words together, the story, that things that are beautiful ought to exist in the world. And we should engage with those things. So just on the mere fact that it's beautiful is a benefit to engage with. I can see that. And the number two, I think about, you know, as we talk about stories and and um, obviously I think stories are meaningful and good and, uh, and, and useful. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm thinking about in the, from what my sister said in her book and from what you say that there is an element of discovering truth here that you can actually apply to your real right. world that like you pointed out joseph is actually more true than very often the romance novel you're going to read or the the spy action novel you're going to read right. that's not real um evil that doesn't show you what human humanity is like but you might find something true about humanity in a fantasy and the one thing I will say that I don't know that we've covered yet, but I, I will say that I can see as I'm listening to all of this that I think is a benefit of fantasy and I'll, and I'll concede as a benefit of fantasy is that we often talk about the desire for another world. Sure. That we, and I can't remember, it might've been you or uh, Joseph who mentioned it, but it was, it was something about, I wanted to exist in another world yeah. for a while. And that is, as Christians, we believe is at the heart of all of us. We want a more beautiful, more wondrous, more enchanting world. And we were made to desire that. Now the ultimate, like you talked about the true myth is it should point us to the true myth, but the ultimate end to our desire is um, heaven, is God, is connection with our creator. And so I think there, I would hazard a guess that one of the reasons fantasy is so palpably powerful in people's lives, even adults' lives, is because it offers you a more beautiful world and we were intrinsically created to desire a more beautiful world. And I think that's a good and beautiful thing. My, and I'd say, like eating, like nutrition, you need protein, you need vegetables, you, I don't know if you need dessert, but you can have dessert, you know, <laughs> 
there's a whole table of things that you need, fiber, protein, all these different things. I think fantasy conceivably, I'll have to think about this a little more, is a valuable thing. Uh, my only thing is it should be mixed in with a mix of other things, things that actually remind you of this world, things that give you insight into people here, into today's issues. But I think that there is a value, like a value to fiber, but you can't only eat fiber, a value to protein. I think there is a value to fantasy that I can see if it is engaged with, with the proper amount, because any good thing taken to an extreme yeah. can be an unhealthy thing. And so that's where I kind of end up, but I do, I can see the benefit of desiring a more beautiful and enchanting world. Um, and yeah, so so that, that's kind of where I, where I end up. I will continue engaging with fantasy, um, but I will make, I'll do it in a balanced nutritionist way, nutritional way. I'm, I'm sure that you will have the correct balance Oh yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think you said by by us not by you not mentioning beauty, because I, I don't think you were leaving it out on purpose. But that is a curious thing because I think you were. I think that's because you're reacting to the way fantasy is, the way it is escapism, and I agree. It doesn't, and Tolkien would agree too. It is not escapism, okay. And it, if you really read Lord of the Rings again, it shows you the world. That also you said that world is another world. It's great. I want to live there. It's horrific. There's war and it's crazy. No, in, not Lord of in Rivendell. Okay. But that's there for a reason. Of course, that's, that's, that's the, the way the story is told. Okay. But it's funny you leave out the beauty part uh, because I think we're, because again, here's Tolkien, we're, we're missing the forest for the trees because fantasy has become so much of, well, on page seven, it says this. And, you know, I think that that's so much of an element now. There's a, there's a corruption sort of of exhausting. It is exhausting and childish in a way. Um, listen, I was into about showing me something truer about the world because you're missing the the story itself. And I think any fantasy, what you said, the purpose of fantasy, even yeah. no matter what it is and who wrote it, and because they're specifically anti-Christian fantasy, like his Dark Materials and mm -hmm. uh, anti-Catholic. Um, but any fantasy is going to take. The typical thing with today is material. It's going to show that there is something spiritual to our material. Oh, world. Right. There's something spiritual to our material. <laughs> That's the enchanted universe. There's an, a, 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 a transcendent even within within that. Um, yeah. Also, increasingly naturalistic. Right. So I think yeah, that's an extra. I think that probably one of the things, reasons that you have an explosion of fantasy today is it's one of the few places that people allow themselves to experience the world as transcendent and enchanted. Yeah, now, we, we skipped over the beauty part. Right? I, That's I, um, now, while I'll say this, well, I, I incorporate that into wonder, but the the thing that I think is, is really interesting, you talk about evil. So this is the, I'll say this one thing, is that you mentioned evil, and that's really a good point because you have, that's another way talks more true than sometimes talking about the real world, where again, in the real world, we have people like Jeffrey Dahmer, but we portray him and we want to portray him a sort of glorified way mm. in a way that, that and that becomes something that is then less true than what Tolkien did where he had a fantasy world, but he made, showed evil actually is not admirable or desirable, something that we should want to imitate. Um, but I'll say, I think that you're absolutely right, Nathan. I think that the, like everything else, you know, you need, may need the abstraction. It's like, let's take good and evil and these concepts outside of our context, but you do need to bring them back into our context. Yeah. So engaging in fantasy to help you abstract them and get them out all, outside of all the context, you need that, but then you need to be reading and watching other things that help you say, okay, now how do I apply this to real world situations? So well, yeah. yeah, well, cool. Well, yeah, yeah. So what I want to see people do is not, because we love watching a character go in and throw a ring into Mount Doom, but don't let don't be so engrossed in one world uh, that you only read about a character doing an amazing thing, one amazing adventure, and you never leave, you know, your mom's basement. Right. Let that inspire you to walk out and, yeah. and live your own adventure and your fine God story that he has to tell you. And anyway. He does. It's there. Yeah. It's there. Yeah. I think uh close us out. Joseph, though, the thing about evil glorifying evil, like you said, whereas in Tolkien, you don't really see the evil, it's power. And then you see what happens in the control of power. Yeah, excellent point. All right, now we're going to go on to blesses and curses. So we're going to take a something based on our topic that we want to bless, say, you know, uh, 
encourage and or curse tell you to stay away from. And I think we all have the same curse today. So we're going to just go through blesses, each of us. And, and we'll collectively and have fun cursing. Cursing the one, the one thing to curse angry. them all. Yes. I know about four people I'll make angry immediately and I'll have to answer for myself. If they, <laughs> if they listen to the, part of the episode. Oh, you <laughs> love it. Um, all right. So, uh, uh, Lou, would you like to go first? Well, in the spirit of fantasy, uh, I will bless the Chronicles of Prydain by Lloyd Alexander, which is the Black Cauldron, if you know the Disney. Oh. So when I had heard that they're going to redo the Black Cauldron, it was it was said in criticism, like Disney's just, you know, that yeah. was a bomb. And I was a kid. I remember seeing it in the theater that you should see it, too, because it is, you cannot believe they actually made that movie. <laughs> but this is ridiculous. But then I read I had seen no that's based on books that are really good. And so it, it is a series of books. They're beautiful um, and very underrated. I mean, they did make The Black Cauldron, but underrated and, and similar, not Tolkien. It's based on Welsh myth. Mm. Oh, interesting. Um, so not like Tolkien. Not derivative. And because I feel like everything's a ripoff of Tolkien nowadays. No, it's it's as it's good. It's as good. And it's it's good again about the the typical things, the hero's journey and make an interesting world, you know, but underrated. And what, would you, better- what would you say is one like true thing that it says about the world that you don't always see in other other uh, stories? Uh, I mean, one true thing. I mean, it does. There are the the hero has to suffer mm. uh, he has a the one whole book is him suffering basically wow it gets to the end yeah 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 to get to what happens at the end but see right there it makes me go oh, maybe fantasy is good because if you have to read about a hero who will suffer for his for his journey i'm going that is something we should all actually learn in our real lives that anything of worth will take most of us that want to believe we can cheat that and say we can get where we need to go without suffering so that's yeah, yeah. That's a good point. That's great. Okay, cool. So Nathan, how about you for a bless? Um, Because everyone else is going to do uh, a book or a movie, I will just be the outlier who goes with a video game. Nice. (laughs) On brand for you. So I really love, and I love this as an adult, by the way. I didn't play as a kid. I played as as uh, an adult, uh, the, the game Skyrim. So I think Skyrim has a fantastic world and we talked about world and beauty and what i think that the guys did here listen they ripped off lord of the rings like crazy (laughs) pain but the reason i give them a pass is because they actually did the work to make the world beautiful and that's what i loved most about skyrim i mean we talked a little bit about worlds and desiring worlds and things like that and why that's a good thing i wanted to live in skyrim and i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing i love just as lou pointed out earlier the artistry of it yeah door could be opened every chest could be uncovered there were endless amounts of caves and kings and battles and so i loved the attention to detail and the beautiful world they created because i think that is something that is in the 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 image of our creator is to create a beautiful world and so they did that here i love skyrim god will bless it uh go play it if you're not a gamer you will just play this anyway you'll, yeah. you'll enjoy it. <laughs> no it's, it's i i yeah it's it's very good um so yeah, I'm going to um, bless uh, C.S. Lewis's experiment in criticism because he does dive into these issues about uh, explaining the difference between a fairy story and fantasy and what's good and what's bad. So if you want to dive deeper into that, um, I think that's a good one. Obviously, what um, uh, Lou said earlier about uh, Tolkien's on fairy story, also something you should read. Um, I'm also going to just since to, to bless a fantasy, I'll I'll bless the um, Wrinkle in Time series by. Uh, no, no not here. We cannot have discussion here. It's have thoughts. <laughs> it's good. It is. It is very good. It is very good. It is beautiful. The 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 lo- ninety books. No, no, only the first. I can only the first two. The first two are beautiful. The okay, first two. Giant brain. It's hey, a giant eye. It is a metaphor. It is a. Yeah. It is a beautiful exploration of losing identity. Anyway, you you talked about it, and I thought, all right, all right. <laughs> I, I'm also, you should point out I'm dumb. So I read these books. I'm like, okay. The most educated man here. <laughs> yeah. When I read them, yes, I'm like, yes, okay, yes. the line. Uh, right. No, it's the, the, yes, yes. I will. Um, 
you you and your 15 like you know ma's in theology and so um, no, i'm serious that's interesting no like, i eh, i love I get it i don't get it i love wrinkle in time too and we'll have a longer discussion about wrinkle yes. in time at some point but i love it. okay but if, you really like, if, you, if you like the beauty of it's again it's another christian author who created some really beautiful fantasy if you love um you know especially c.s lewis work she is 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 that kind of author as well. So I definitely recommend. I will it. point out a lot of the greatest fantasy we have, be it Narnia, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, uh, is Christian. Yeah, it's, they basically so, started it. I mean, George MacDonald and you know C.S. Lewis and Tolkien. You look on on the websites; they're all like, "Who created the fantasy genre? These guys, all these people." You know, so was, uh, George MacDonald was a pastor, right? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yes. so yeah. So uh, I I will endorse Madame Lango though. I, yes. I, 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 yes, absolutely. Okay, cool. So should right. we just say to everyone out there, as Christians, you're welcome for fantasy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> if you like fantasy, thank you, Christian. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah one now. Um, anyway, all right, cool. So we're all going to bless the same thing. So Curse uh, the same uh, thing. Excuse me, curse. Excuse me. I'm getting my busting curse makeup. Uh, it's been a long day. All right, so we're all going to curse the same thing. Okay, so Lou, do you want to uh, launch us off? What are we cursing? Uh, we are cursing the rings, rings of, of power. power. Amazon's rings of power. If you too. like it, I want to hear why. You know, <laughs> I have actually heard everyone's reasons why. And I, I, it's like, I don't believe them. They're like, this is such a powerful story. I go, story? What story? It's, oh my god! And gosh. I watched it. You yes. actually, so I watched the first episode with Lou and I said, you can finish it without me. I watched the first two episodes to review them for my job. And then I was like, I'm done. So Lou, you've actually, so what? tell us, what do you feel like was wrong with it? And then Nathan and I will give our thoughts to, to something. Mine can be shallow. I just didn't like it. So you guys have the deep ones. There, I might there's just... three reasons it's wrong. Okay, good. Okay. It's boring. And why is it boring? It's poorly written uh, soap opera plots. Mm. Uh, poorly acted in many places. Sometimes the character has nothing people. to do uh, the stuff of where they get wrong about Tolkien. I don't even care about that. I think that that's definitely there. But the characters are so boring. You don't care. Yep. I don't care. Yes. And it's like, and it, it, I, I don't want to call it fanfic. It wasn't fanfic. Fanfic is better. Okay. There's care for the characters. Yes. So yeah. beyond beyond where they say, oh, this is wrong, and you should have gone here to this. Okay, there's that. Yes, I agree. And but they utterly do not understand Tolkien. To touch evil, to get that is yep. not that is there. There was a line to give context. There's a line in the first episode where Elrond, I believe it was, or Elrond's friend. Well, well, no, yeah, her brother, brother. Brother. yeah, Gladriel's brother. Yes. It's sometimes you have to touch evil it, to it, understand it. They do understand. come to a thing about that at the end where they kind of say, no, maybe that's not right. But it it, it was so boring I didn't care. But but the main also reason is that Tolkien, who despised corporate capitalism, thought any consolidation of power is evil. His estate, his 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 work is now in the hands of yes. consolidated <laughs> capitalistic power. <laughs> there, 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 there is a real irony there. Yes, that's um, I will. So, yeah, I will say for me, the big problem with it was that it was you know, again, we talk about fantasy is supposed to be, it's the fantasy is there to get you at a deeper truth, you know? And what this was, was it was just doing the cliches. It was just yeah. doing all of these surface level things. Here's, you know, the sets, here's the, you know, the aesthetics, here's the archetypes, here's the things. And none of those things were there in service of a deeper, of deeper characterization, deeper understanding, deeper themes. And the deeper themes that were there were, again, just the cliche themes that were ripping off of Tolkien stuff. So again, it's all, and that's the thing is, and that's, again, this is the negative part about fantasy. Why do people like this? Again, I've heard all the things. It's because it reminds them of this world. That they, they kind live of live in the world that they grew up with. That's why I was excited, right? Because right. I love middle earth i want to be there and so i was yeah. excited that for the first time in i don't know how many years i get to live there for an hour a week one more time yeah and i went and went and I, the thing i actually asked myself is i said <clears> if <throat> this wasn't associated with middle earth or gladriel or elrond weren't there would i keep on watching this would i like it and yeah. i said to myself no it's yeah. not good so you might have borrowed the 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 rights to this world but the magic enchantment and beauty was not there for me within yeah. a minute 
within a minute. No, no, no. At first, you're like, oh, come on. What are they saying about this? This was Nathan Washington. This is beautiful. I mean, within a minute and a half. Like but because you, I was okay. All right. You know, but House of the Dragon was on at the same time. And it's so <laughs> well, infinitely better. We're Protestant Christian, so we're not allowed to watch All right, that, whatever. So. But it's so <laughs> infinitely better. I mean, it's but, but, the greatest thing in the world. But it's but better. It was hard to compare. How to make a show? How not right. to make well, my thing was like in the very beginning, Galadriel's like a little, you know, child elf. I can't remember what it was, but it was so like dumb. Is like, well, fishes are like rocks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is it? Yes. It was well, immediately. But it also untoking. wasn't true. Like he said something like an ism that wasn't even. Yeah, true. it wasn't. Why, why does yeah. a, why, why does it, I was like, why does a duck float or something like that? It's like, yeah. why does a boat float? The rock doesn't. Because well, it has spirit. Spirit. Why, why would, why does a boat float? Because it is pointed towards the sun. It's like, no, yeah. no. it's like buoyancy. So, yes. and, and then Tolkien, and when the little elf kids are. Uh, but, but that's the thing. That's, that's actually a perfect encapsulation of it. Because again, what it's it was the forms of what Tolkien did, which is oh yeah. a, a truism that sounds beautiful and metaphorical, but the There's thing nothing is, his actually spoke to something true when you yeah. dug deeper. Whereas this, it has it's all surface level and nothing deeper, and that's so, what's yeah, bad that's about fantasy. Yes. So everyone, um, I'm sorry that we had to curse that, but we are all in agreement. Please, we want to know if we're wrong. We're not, but we want to know why you think we're wrong. <laughs> yeah, so, I want to know. So please write in your responses and you can rip us so apart. So that we can explain to you why you're actually wrong. Yes, never any regression. So please head to theoverthinkersjournal.com and write us why we're so wrong about this. Um, but this was a blast. I had yes. fun. Uh, Lou, I, I don't think you want people to get in contact with you, but are there any projects or things or places that you do want people to get in contact with you that you want to plug before we head out? Uh, contact me through them. Yes. Yeah, so if you want to contact <laughs> Lou, contact me. And uh, if you want yeah. to yell at Lou, yell at us and we'll pass it on to Lou. Yes. <laughs> Do you want to go see Father Stu Reborn next week? Yes. Re released for Christmas in a PG huh. version. I don't know when you're coming out, but it'll be playing through Christmas. Father Stu is, we we all like it here on the show. And there's a new version that's for, it's, it has less language. It's a you know true story about a rough guy. It's more for families. So definitely check it out. It's a beautiful story. One of the best faith-based films I've ever seen, and now it's PG-13. So if that was an issue for you, you can still go see it. So your 13-year-olds can see it now. Yes. <laughs> uh, if you do want to get in contact with me to either send me mail or Lou mail, you can go to NathanClarkson.me or follow me on any of the socials to search my name, Nathan Clarkson. You can follow me on any of the socials as well. You can also find uh, me at my website, uh, josephholmstudios.com, and you can find many of my work where I do have more fun critiquing things like this and my Rings of Power review, uh, religionunplugged.com. Thank you so much, Lou, for joining us, and thank you, audience, for joining us. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about.